listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this March the 7th in the year of our Lord 2019. And with us is Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing very good. And um, we're looking forward to having a discussion. You had done some work on what had happened in the Methodist Conference and can you give us some details that you found out? Well, first of all, I want you to know it's snowing up here. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so what are the details? Uh, the details are, they had, of course, they had their conference back there in late February. And the idea was to strengthen the language in their book of discipline on uh, homosexual marriages, and especially also on allowing gay clergy into the uh, United Methodist Church. So they weren't uh, trying to put something new in there that already was in there? Well, it wasn't already in there. Uh, I went back and looked at their book of discipline, and in their human sexuality portion, they, they do stipulate that... Uh, United Methodist Church does not condone homosexuality. And in their marriage section, it's between a man and a woman. Good. And in their ordination section, I took a look at that, and there's a sentence in there that self-avowed practicing homosexuals are not called as candidates, ordained as ministers, or appointed to serve in the United Methodist Church. And the idea was to change the language under uh, a program called the One Church Plan to to allow them to, to have those marriages, allow them to, if conference wanted to, to ordain them. And then they had one called the Traditional Plan in which they said, no, we reject that and we should strengthen the language. And not only strengthen the language, but... Uh, uh, remove conference funds from those those areas of the United Methodist Church that uh, go ahead and do it anyway. Yes. So I was reading in the uh, Post-Dispatch, which, of course, is very liberal, so they're definitely in support of the homosexual movement. They talked about conference members on the West Coast vowed not to observe the traditional plan and continue to be a sanctuary uh, for homosexuals and honor their marriages. Ooh. Yes. So they're going to have their hands full. Although some do agree that what's going to happen is that they're going to be removed from the Methodist Church if they continue to do the practice of homosexuality, which is incompatible with Christian teaching. Right. How far that goes remains to be seen. The, the, the Supreme Church Court of the Methodist Church meets in uh, April 23rd to 25th in Edison, Illinois, to go through what's been passed and say what's constitutional, what's not constitutional. So do they have the ability to overturn what the convention did? <laughs> well, you know, sections that I read in there said it takes 66 and percent or two-thirds majority to override any any changes in the Constitution. Okay. But uh, 
I think part of it dealt with uh, that there would be fines levied, removal of use of funds by bishops of, of those conferences. Uh, I guess we'd call them district presidents in our church. Sure. But uh, that they wouldn't be allowed to have funds if they went ahead and, and did that. And there, there's some uh, dispute as to whether that's constitutional or not. Well, in the Lutheran Church, of course, we have the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, they call themselves, who are for homosexuality. In fact, they have male pastors who are married to each other. So this is quite contrary to God's Word. And I I can't understand how Christians can continue to be members of either the uh, Methodist Church or... Uh, if they went with homosexuality or the ELCA, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I ran, <laughs> doesn't make sense to me, but I ran into some people here in the last week, especially from Elka, that uh, said if they want to do it, why not allow them to go ahead and do it? You know, what's what's the harm in in uh, allowing somebody to pursue their dreams? Yes, um, that's a good message for pedophiles. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Well, as soon as you bring up pedophile, they say, oh, no, 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 we don't mean that. Well, what do you mean you don't mean that? Why wouldn't you allow pedophiles to pursue their dreams? Mm. And the answer is, well, it's contrary to God's word. Well, so is homosexuality. The, The devil is really good at getting people totally confused over what they believe. Right. It streams all the way through that, that conference that they're not being loving by allowing this uh, not to happen. And uh, they're barring gays from the church and things of that matter seems to be the rhetoric of the progressive of the, of the church, which what? I found was quite interesting. They call them progressive or liberals. Yes, I know. The... Um... Post-Dispatch has a uh, religion section uh, each week. It's usually on Saturday. And for some reason, they have this Pastor Greg Weeks there quite Mm -hmm. often. He's a a United Methodist pastor. So if you ever want to know what Christianity doesn't teach, then I would encourage you to read his column. He was really upset over the fact that homosexuality wasn't made legal. And he talks about his slogan, my denomination has been known for its slogan, open hearts, open minds, open doors. And obviously, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't allow pedophiles through what he considers to be an open door to become a member of the Methodist Church and to pursue their dreams. But he just seems to be blinded And he himself says the reason for this is because we have different ways in interpreting the Bible. Oh, really? And how do we interpret the Bible? Well, we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, went through this. And Elka, of course, is the result of it, where I had professors that didn't believe the history of the Bible in many areas, such as... Uh, Jesus doing the healings he did, they would always give some kind of a a reasonable explanation rather than the supernatural when I was at the seminary. And so, obviously, there uh, he, he makes the point 
that when the Bible comes out against homosexuality, they want to be talking about the long-lasting monogamous relationships that homosexuals have today. Now, I, I don't know where he's coming from, but divorce is one of the biggest things about homosexual marriages, and they are not a loving relationship because to truly love, you would be obeying God's commandments, and they are not. Well, I'd be interested to see how they come out against in First Corinthians 6, where it says, Do not be deceived, the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, adulterers, yes. nor those who practice homosexuality and so forth can inherit the kingdom of God. And, and take a look at Romans chapter 1, yeah. where it's very clear that one of the big things that people were leaving God over was over homosexuality. Yeah, one theory that goes goes like uh, hey, homosexuals practice homosexuality. It's okay. Heterosexual practice heterosexual, and the twain shall not meet. You know, there's that Bible verse. I think it's in First Corinthians. Well, I know it is that there must be various problems in your church so you know what is the truth. Hmm. And this is really starting to show, uh, particularly I'm going to deal with Greg Weeks because, again, he had this kind of thing. What do you think the reason was he blames uh, those from other nations who are part of the Methodist Church who have a traditional point of view, and they outvoted the liberal Methodists in the United States to stay mm. with the traditional but do you, would you like to hear his reason? Well, before you talked about his reason, it's, the stuff I read said that uh, the groups outside the, the United States represented only 30%. Well, that may be, but would you like yeah. to hear his reason? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll read this section. The tipping point was the international delegates who advocated for the traditional plan. Some came from cultures that have restrictions against homosexuality, so voting contrary may have had repercussions for them. I don't... This is pure racism. He needs to read his, his own uh, conference notes, you know, from, from the United Methodist Church. Uh, they made it plain from those countries that they voted because of what Scripture had to say about it. But when you have someone who doesn't agree with the Bible, uh, like this Methodist pastor, you have to have a reason to defend your point of view. So what you're saying are all these people from those, like Africa and places like that, they don't have the sense that we have, and therefore they were afraid of the repercussions from their cultures if they voted for homosexuality, which they really wanted to do. This is mm. pure racism. If things were said about blacks in the United States like this, we would be accused of racism. But it once more shows that once you have this wrong interpretation of the scripture, we call it the historical critical method, where you criticize what God says again and again, 
Then you end up with this Methodist pastor, and every time he writes a column, there's false teaching in it, contrary to the Word of God. And why the Post-Dispatch keeps putting them in there is beyond me, except the Post-Dispatch is a homosexual paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reads all through the articles and various newspapers and and conference reports that you're homophobic and transphobic and things of that nature because you voted against the inclusive plan. Well, I'll, I'll come back again. And when you have a child molester and don't let them come into the church, then you're hating child molesters? No. Is that what we're going to say? Now, remember, the devil... When he tried to tempt Jesus, he always quoted scripture. So also does this so-called Pastor Weeks. John said, and he quotes 1 John 4.18, perfect love drives out fear. And he says, Mm -hmm. you can love perfectly only when you approach the future fearlessly. Now, I agree with that. It's just that the traditionalists are approaching the future fearlessly, not these people who are contrary to the Word of God. Which, which, by the way, we don't exclude them from our churches. Well, yeah, invited. talk a little bit about that. Where in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, when we talk about um, uh, open hearts, open minds, open doors, what do we mean by open doors? Anyone of any race, color, creed, their sexuality is invited to attend worship. Yes. And what what do we do? Is we we worship Christ as as our Lord and Savior, and we take everything that He says as His Word, which is from Genesis to Revelation. Exactly. And so we invite in the Bible study, adult instruction. In fact. What is our practice when we excommunicate someone? Hmm. We uh, ask that they they refrain from taking Holy Communion basis on the sins that uh, that uh, that are very grievous. And do we ask them to refrain from attending church? Oh no, they're oh they're more than welcome to attend church. I- exactly. In fact, in the bylaws of a number of churches, in our bylaw. Once a person was excommunicated, it actually says that make sure that a visit is made within one month by the pastor and an elder to these individuals to help them understand why they were excommunicated, why they are possibly not going to go to heaven because of their unrepentant sin. And the thing of it is, in our worship service, at the very beginning, we do confession of sins. I, a poor miserable sinner, we don't say, look over there, that one's a worse sinner than I am. We talk about our own sins and, and the sins that are what God calls them out of his holy word. Yeah, if there's anything about law and gospel that people need to understand, law and gospel are two different teachings in the scripture. C.F.W. Walther shows about six differences But one of them is the law says, if you want to get to heaven by your works, here's what you need to do perfectly. And if you don't do it perfectly, then you're not going to be saved. The gospel says, 
because we cannot do the law perfectly, Jesus stepped in and did for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. And through faith in his promises, we receive that righteousness and that forgiveness that allows us to go to heaven. Yeah, what was that uh, Isaiah 35 that you were talking about the other day about vengeance and and uh, revenge or whatever it was? Yeah, was retribution. Retribution. Yeah, I looked up that word, and when it deals with God, it's always God getting even with people for their sin. But the text says we're looking forward to God's vengeance and retribution because then there'll be enough wine for everyone. The crops will grow. There'll be plenty of animals. It has all positive things. Well, how's that possible if God comes in vengeance? And the point I was making is he is coming in vengeance, but not against us. It was against his son, that he brought the retribution that we deserved as he hung on the cross to the point where Jesus exclaimed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. That's where the retribution came is against the Christ. And I I think that's such an aha moment, you know, that awakens us that God doesn't punish us for our sins. Jesus took that punishment for us. Yes. It's, it's all sin, you know, it's of everyone. It's not just a homosexuality, but it was our own sins, too, that uh, we commit. The only people who will go to hell, therefore, are those who don't believe the gospel promises from Jesus Christ, and they would prefer to be in a location where Jesus is not. And that's what is called hell. And if they have any sins, they prefer to pay for them themselves. They don't need the help of God. That's and I, unbelief. And I think that's the great danger I see when they, when they, they say homosexuality is, is a preferred lifestyle and it's okay by God's standards. Yeah, that's never found anywhere in the Bible. It, it's kind of a, another area that we're going to be dealing with pretty soon, and that's the legality of marijuana. I keep hearing more and more accidents are occurring, and people are really going outside of their minds and doing things they normally wouldn't do. It's only a matter of time before they once more put restrictions on marijuana, but right now they're not because it's money. Right, yeah, we're running across that here in in Illinois. Our new governor is uh, proposing recreational marijuana. But oddly enough, it isn't just Republicans, but it's Democrats across the aisle. There's a growing, no, we shouldn't be doing that. Well, I just uh, listened to Issues Etc., who had a wonderful um, broadcast about how Illinois is trying to become the state in defense of women who want to have abortions. Abortion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, our... uh, we just sent out a district, a Central Illinois district email that that our pastors and congregations should be aware of this and take be talking to the representatives about, hey, you should be voting this down. You see, what the Methodist pastor wants, this Greg Weeks, 
He wants the ability to be teaching little children that homosexuality can be a preferred lifestyle. <laughs> that's what he wants to be able to do. And that's why I've always considered unrepentant homosexuals to be pedophiles. Because mm. they are going to children and telling them that which is contrary to the word of God. There seems to be no love at all for people as they set them up for having unbelief in the word of God, which means they would go to hell. And I'm not saying every homosexual is, is going to go to hell. We can't make that judgment. But it's very clear from the Bible that there comes a point of unrepentance where heaven is no longer a home for them. Right, and I've known of, of homosexuals who were repentant and non-practicing. And there's not a moment that, that I, goes by I don't think that they're going to go to heaven. Well, look at um, California where they're trying to make laws that it's illegal to try and cure people of homosexuality. <laughs> well, it depends on what you mean by cure. Some of the cures out there are pretty drastic. and Well, I'm talking about a proper Christian cure where they repent of their sins. Oh, yes. And believe the word of God. We've got to do a lot better task of doing that. And I appreciate hearing uh, you're a member of what's called the Central District of uh, Illinois that you put out that letter warning people because what I heard is a, a lot of Democrats who got behind the bill were unaware of what the bill actually said. For example, if this bill passes, parents are not going to know about their daughters having an abortion Absolutely. anymore. Well, what kind of care is that for a family? Hmm. Kind of reminds you of Planned Parenthood, doesn't it? They, they run those same circles. Well, we need to remember that just as the racism of this pastor came through in saying that these folks from Africa voted for traditional because they were afraid of repercussions from their culture, we need to remember that the person who began Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, did so because there were too many blacks. And, mm. you know, I just heard recently that uh, the Republicans were accused of racism uh, because they wanted to get rid of the blacks. No. If we wanted to get rid of the blacks, we would encourage abortion because the vast majority of abortions are black children. It's the Democrats who are racist and following Margaret Sanger in no matter what they say, well, a, a black child being dead is better than one who's brought up in a family that doesn't want it. Ooh. Yeah. And, and I've known of many, many adoptions of black children into families that, that uh, they couldn't afford to take care of the child or... Instead of abortion, they chose life for the child and gave it yes. a life through adoption. In fact, in my experience, there appears to be a lack of children able to be adopted these days. Mm. And so I'm quite confident that if a woman allowed the pregnancy to go 
all the way and have her child adopted, there would not be a real big problem with that. I've converted many uh, Planned Parenthood that, that went out and adopted. And I said, wasn't it a wonderful thing that uh, the mother didn't uh, uh, abort that child? Yes. Next week, they signed up for Lutherans for Life. Yes. Yeah, we've got a wonderful organization, Lutherans for Life, out of, uh, it's not just the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but other pro-life individuals who are members of other uh, denominations, and even some of them from the ELCA, as they recognize that the pro-abortion stance of the ELCA is something that is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. And that's something, you know, for your churches and the circuits that they're involved in, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, our circuit meets next week. And one of the pastors uh, said, you know, given the problems we're having with this pro-abortion stuff in Illinois, is let's set up our own chapter among our 11 churches of Lutherans for Life. Yes, in fact, um, uh, a number of our congregations have... Uh, that group in them, my uh, home church, St. Paul uh, de Pere in uh, Manchester, uh, Missouri, does have one. Well, that was a fast one. (laughs) Very quick. So tomorrow is Open Mic Friday, and you'll have the opportunity, if you want to ask me more questions, I'll be glad to answer them, and I'll have this newspaper article with me. I'm Tom Baker, and you heard from Wes Reinitz. Uh, Till tomorrow, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.